the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. My old Bible class uh, leader when I was just starting out, he retired soon after I began, don't know why, but anyway, um, <laughs> he said the Christian life is really to be lived like rowing a boat with faith on one oar and works on the other. And uh, this is not the, uh, the oars he was talking about because it's a canoe paddle. We hadn't invented them back then, I don't think. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was an excellent illustration of our series at the moment. Faith and works working together. If we just pull on the faith one, we'll go round and round in circles. If we just pull on the works handle, we'll go round and round in circle. But when we pull on both faith and works, we go straight forward, eh? Amen. Acts 4, uh, 14. Acts 14 verse 20 says, But while the disciples stood around him, he got up and entered the city. This is a really fascinating story of faith in action on Paul's first missionary trip as the gospel ripples out from Jerusalem to the known world. And we're going to go into that and unpack that a little bit more in a few moments. But just first some context for those perhaps who haven't been with our series, Faith in Works. Last week we learned lessons from Peter, a transformed disciple. In, uh, in just weeks, he went from denying Christ at a mock court to standing on trial himself for preaching Christ alive and well. Peter and John confidently testified before uh, the powerful religious leaders that had had Christ uh, killed and they, being, having had time with Jesus, boldly said, for we cannot stop speaking about what we've seen and heard in Acts 4.20. Well, we're going to fast forward this week, lots of chapters in Acts, to uh, chapter 14. And uh, this week's true faith in action story involves the converted Saul, now known as Paul, and he and Barnabas, Barnabas were commissioned by the small church uh, that founded in Antioch in Acts 13 verse 3. And after a fair few miles, lots of miles, and lots of trials, as we've heard about this morning from Sarah, uh, they encountered troubles in their own team. John Mark, who went with them, left. Now, we don't know whether this was just a sort of a team dynamic thing, or it was time to move on, or if it was just too tough. But uh, we know that the, the Word of God is real, isn't it? It's raw and real. It tells us how it, how it is, and it says that he left. Finally, they return and get to preach in the synagogue on the Sabbath in, uh, it's called Pisidian Antioch. I'm presuming that's kind of like a suburb. Things are going well for the team. For Team Barnabas and Paul, things aren't too bad at this stage because many are coming to Christ and believing, and they even get invited back to preach the next Sabbath. So this is kind of the background. Great crowds, almost the whole city uh, came, turned out to hear them the second week. 
which is always a good sign, isn't it? <laughs> and quite encouraging to the speaker. But when the Jews, they saw the crowds, the Bible says they were filled with jealousy. Chapter 13, verse 45. And this began a great persecution, and they were driven out of Antioch for preaching the gospel. They got death threats in Iconium, despite the fact they preached grace and seen many healings they fled to lystra and this is where our story begins today in lystra 4 14 verse 7 it says and there they continued to preach the gospel man these guys were unstoppable red bull hadn't been invented back then but i don't know these guys were just undeterred man they just had been you know pushed out of antioch uh, given the cold shoulder out of uh, uh, Iconium, and now they're just going for it again. And I like that verse. They, there they continue to preach the gospel. Uh, it's about doing our, as Sarah said, it's really about doing our day-to-day -day life with people, not preaching at them but sharing with them. It naturally flowed out of Paul and Barnabas to preach Christ. They were just hanging out in the marketplace. And I love Paul's verse that he writes to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 8. Listen to this. This will change your life. Having thus a fond affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel, but also our own lives. Having thus a fond affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become so dear to us. Do you see the, the pattern here? Um, until we learn to value and love people, our words will be like water off a duck's back. Paul's preaching leads to a man being dramatically healed, which is not unusual. But what happens next is truly bizarre. So listen up. This is pretty bizarre. The people of Lystra tried to make Paul and Barnabas into gods with a little g due to the miracle healing that they saw. Because the man healed had never walked, everyone knew him. And suddenly he's leaping and walking normally. And these guys must, so they thought, these guys must be like gods. How else could this have happened to our old crippled mate? Suddenly Paul and Barnabas were heroes. They went from public enemy number one in Antioch and Iconium to gods with a little g in Lystra. Unbeknown to Paul and Barnabas, even the local priest of Zeus He's already getting oxen ready for sacrifice to these newly discovered. Have we got a picture of the temple there? Yeah, they've even got this, you know, big ox ready to slaughter. They're getting the garlands out, ticker, ticker tape parade in verse 13. No, I added the ticker tape parade. So they're, they're getting ready to, to worship Paul and Barnabas. And Paul and Barnabas had no idea. When they find out, they rip their clothes and they rush into the crowd saying, stop, we're just ordinary flesh and blood men. 
They attempt to direct all the praise to the living God. But even their, after their best effort to push back the, the, the crowd admiration, the crowd still want to praise them. Isn't it amazing how quickly the crowd can swing from one extreme to another? And uh, so my first point is that crowds are easily swayed. First, they want to make them gods in verse 18. And then and we see actually a similar story in Acts 12, 19. A crowd, you've got another crowd. A crowd in Caesarea were easily swayed by King Herod. And King Herod loved crowds. We know that because in verse 3, he had James killed by the sword and it pleased the Jews. He was a man pleaser. And he didn't stop their flattery. Unlike Paul and Barnabas, he soaked it up and the Lord took him and he died. So let's turn to Acts 14, 19 to 23 for our reading today. And we're going to see how Paul and Barnabas handled this situation. So we've, we've given the background. So here we are in Acts 14, verse 19. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having won over the crowds, they stoned Paul. What? The same crowd who were going to make them gods. They're stoning him now. And dragged him out of the city supposing him to be dead. But while the disciples, disciples stood around him, he got up and entered the city. The next day he went away with Barnabas to Derby, after they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, right back where they were, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. When they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. This is incredible, isn't it? In one verse, Paul goes from trying to stop the crowd, offering him sacrifices, you know, worshipping them, to being left for dead. Outside the city gate. How could this thing turn around so quickly? It turned around so quickly because it happened to Christ. And because it happened to Christ, it can happen to all who follow Christ. Within a week, the same crowd who shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna to the king, cried out, crucify him, crucify him. You can't trust the crowd. But we can choose to be part of a team. So I've called this message, Choose Team Over Crowd. The Lystra crowd, too, were quick to praise men, similar to the Jerusalem crowd who praised Jesus. But just as quickly they turned on Paul and Barnabas when they didn't play their game. You know, they had, a, they had an agenda for, for Paul and Barnabas. They even had the ox already. They even had a garland to put on them and stuff. But Paul and, and Barnabas did not play their game. Jews from Antioch and Iconium stirred up the crowd. Now these brothers, it's normally a brother, had walked a hundred miles 
A hundred miles they'd walked intent on stoning Paul. They had an agenda and now was their chance. Stoning was a Jewish punishment for sin. And there were rules called the Mishnah. You were to do it in a certain way. That day, even these legalistic Jews threw out the rules, incited the crowd, and it was full-on illegal stoning of Paul in verse 19. They dragged Paul outside the city gate, supposing him to be dead. It's a, it's a Greek word that sort of is used in other places where they're not quite sure, not quite sure, him to be dead. What a disgraceful way to treat the world's greatest missionary. Outside the gate, was code for rubbish dump. This was where all the filth and city waste ended up. So number two, the crowd disappeared in a heartbeat. There was no crowd in verse 20 that we read. In fact, when I read this during the week, it almost broke my heart. Imagining the scene of Paul's body dumped like a black sack full of battered flesh. I was moved. These were not little tiny stones. These were rocks, huge rocks. The first one was meant to be dropped from twice a man's height, part of the Mishnah. He would have been unrecognizable. Oh God, I thought, how could you stand by and watch this? But the next few words brought me some comfort. But while the disciples stood around him, this absolutely hit my heart. It, 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 it warmed my heart. This was God's provision. He put people around Paul. Wow, God was with him in the form of committed disciples. What's the crowd that you're facing today? Could the many voices on social media or the internet be the crowd that's so taking you away, your thoughts. The crowd could even be harmful memories from the past, luring you back to old ways. Don't trust the crowd. Number three, only the team stood by him. They stood in silence around them. There's no account of them praying for Paul. They were just with him. They stood in silence around this man. Probably they weren't able to speak. The horror of it. This speaks of unwavering support, of being Jesus with skin on. Jenny and I missed an important tangi while we were on leave in the South Island and I visited to apologize and I was told there was no need because in our culture the man said if one person comes it's as if the whole family were there and Jeremy had come so we as a church were there you see we as a church aren't just a team we're a family we're a family and one of us sometimes can represent all of us that's a pretty heavy rap, isn't it? 
So while these disciples stood around him, he arose and entered the city. God didn't save Stephen from, from death because it was his time. And the power of that death spoke to a young man holding his cloaks, the cloaks of the persecutors. Now it's that young man who's on the ground. And he had much to do. God had plans. He still had much more for Paul to do. So he was raised. And we don't know whether it was a resurrection or just an amazing healing. But Paul stood up. No codeine. No pain. <laughs> no stitches. No physio. No pity party. No complaining. No regrets. Paul's little mantra, I think, was no pain, no gain. He thought, and he was off to preach again. And that rhymes. <laughs> God miraculously restored Paul. Hallelujah. For our sakes as well as those folks standing around him in that day. The text doesn't say much more about it. It's like immediately. It's instant. All Paul had to show for his stoning was his scars. We know that because he mentions them further on in his letters to the churches. Because verse 20 says that he walked 60 miles to Derby the next day. A man with a limp or, a, or an impediment could not have done that. He was fully healed. He just had the scars to show for it. Our resurrected bodies will still bear the physical scars we, we incur, I believe, serving Jesus in this life. They will be a sign of honour to have served Christ in this life. And we'll take them into eternity. Just the scars. Only the physical scars. Four, number four, finally our team players, only team players, sorry, stand the test of time. Time is a great test, isn't it? For a lot of things. And we tend to think that Paul was continually traveling on. Here today, gone tomorrow. A kind of a blow in, blow up and blow out kind of ministry. But in reality, he stayed years with certain churches. In 2 Corinthians 11.28, he says... Apart from such external things, which is the list he's just given, shipwrecks, beatings, stonings, whippings, blah, blah, blah. There is this daily pressure upon me of concern for all the churches. He's carrying a weight in his soul, in his spirit, for the churches. He was an evangelist with a pastor's heart. I pray that over you, Sarah. You'd have the chance to speak out for Jesus with your amazing pastor's heart. The only way to survive, he was an evangelist with a pastor's heart. The only way to survive this calling is to build team. He positioned elders in the churches he planted. We see that in verse 23. Having warned them that... Here's his mantra again. Through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Verse 23. I believe this is a time 
of rebuilding the church. And everyone is an important part of the team. The last three years have been a challenge for the church worldwide. And we need each other like we've never needed before. And there's a risk of many falling away. But we can decide to arise and go back into the city like Paul and stick to the plan. He was pulp on the ground one moment and going back to the work the next. Paul traveled back to all the places where he'd been rejected. This guy's incredible. Instead of moving forward and saying too bad about them, <laughs> or worse, <laughs> he goes back. He's going back. He traveled back to all these places. There's still times that we need to travel back, I believe, spiritually, spiritually over old ground to overcome the fears, the hurts, and the rejection that we've encountered. To get to a place of healing and resolve to move on forwards. Sometimes we need a good prod from someone who cares to harden us up and get us going again. We need healing and motivating, don't we? We are celebrating women today. Praise God. Men, let's value and cherish the woman God has placed around us. And I could simply not imagine life and ministry without Jenny. If we want to add action to our faith today, let's stand by those who God has placed in our life. Let's stand by those who God has placed in our life, men and women. Learn to get back up in the race again, like Paul. Embrace trials that will build a kind of perseverance and grit to get you through. Amen. Father, it's just challenged me and really done something in my heart to read these words about stoning and, and rejection. Lord, I just pray that we'd all just um, recognize we are not of this world, but we are in it, and we need to be prepared for trouble. Lord, we also pray that we would be filled with your Holy Spirit, equal to the task you've called us to, and surrounded by those who care and building in team and building those relationships by prayer and time. Lord, we pray for the church. We pray for the church universal. Lord, you love the church. It's your bride to be. And Lord, we just pray that it would be strengthened in these days and built up with, uh, with a kind of a heavenly armor around it and angels protecting the church. We just pray over our church. We pray for us to be part of it, to be belong, to be, be, uh, to be built up, to be fed in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at
hadleybaptist.com.